welcome to Rationally Rating. I'm Dee Stoyle. And I'm Alexander Wales. And this is episode 24, Beginnings. The beginning of the story is, I think, in my view, the most important part of the story, mm-hmm. right? It is the reader's first encounter with your story, unless they're just, like, randomly opening to a page, which you can't really plan for. But it's it's what people will come across first. It's what will make them decide whether or not to keep reading. I give a lot of leeway in the middle, and once you get to the end, it's basically out of your hands, right? Mm-hmm. So as far as audience goes, I think the, the like first scene or first chapter is the one that you should put the most effort into. Uh, opening lines, a lot of people will just drop a book on the opening line. I know I have uh, traffic stats for uh, stuff I've put on my website, and there's a huge drop-off after the first chapter. Because mm-hmm. that's, that's where a lot of people will... Check out the writing, check out what the story is kind of about, and then just decide whether to keep going or not. Yeah. Fan fiction has natural tracking on it. I haven't set up anything on my website, but on, on fan fiction, I can always notice the huge drop-off between chapter one Pokemon and then whether or not people keep going from there. It's kind of like a more or less... Like, there's a, another, another sort of drop-off after chapter two, but after that, it pretty much stays steady. Right, like if they if they've gotten to chapter three, they're usually going to keep going for at least a little bit. Yeah, it's usually the numbers are about the same for for every chapter past three mm-hmm. or close to the same. I mean, there are some stories where that's not the case, and I've found that people will skip to the end if there is an end. They'll skip to the end a lot. Just I don't know, huh. the story's not doing it for them, but they still want to see how it ends. So, and I'm I'm you know I'm fine with that if you. If you are interested enough in the story that you want to read the ending, but not interested enough that you want to read all the intervening 80,000 words or 200,000 words or whatever, uh, that's at least better than you just dropping it right away. Right. So, yeah, uh, beginnings, um, very, very important. I would say first lines tend to be a little overblown. I think people focus too much attention on those just because... There, there are some pretty amazing first lines out there, right? Like there are some books that have a first line that's, that's just really like perfectly worded and cooks your attention right away. But yeah. I, I, but I agree that like you can still have a great story that doesn't have a first line and it can still get attention. Yeah, and well, I think most people aren't going to stop reading on the first line. Mm-hmm. If the, if you've gone to the effort to open a book, or click the button on Amazon to view inside or you've gone to a web page, you're probably not going to bail on the first line if it mm-hmm. doesn't like hook you immediately. You might bail after the first paragraph, mm-hmm. but I think people will massage their first line a lot and that's good, but it there's a point to diminishing returns that I think you hit really quickly if you're not going to do the whole first scene or first chapter right. or w- whatever it is you're doing. I think when we talk about beginnings here, I'm meaning it specifically the opening to the story, mm-hmm. however long that lasts. The first and, scene, really. Yeah, but it kind of it kind of depends. I mean, once you get, I think that you can do two scenes before you're like properly at the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you have a prologue. I'm kind of a, for web fiction. I'm against prologues. I don't think they serve the same purpose as yeah and i don't think they serve the same purpose and you want to get you want to hook people in right away so if you have a prologue it has to be it has to be good enough that it serves the entire purpose of what your first chapter would normally do mm-hmm. i think a prologue is a good place if you're gonna do one of the, the tricks that we'll talk about later mm-hmm. but um 
I'm generally against them. I think you should just get in, show us the main character right away, show us the conflicts that they're facing right away, try to define them. Well, at the very least, give us an idea of what they want. Yeah. Glim Warden does not have... I don't think Glim Warden has a prologue. I'm pretty sure it doesn't. But I, I, I have one written, but I decided against using it because I just thought it wasn't... No, it does have a prologue. The um the writer, right? His his kind of like this is the history of the world, yeah. kind of, or the city rather. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I link people chapter one instead of prologue though, mm-hmm. and I posted them both at the same time. Prologues are are basically like they come in in the exposition form, kind of a mix between this is what the story is about or this is where the story takes place, and those are really common in sci-fi and fantasy. Like sci-fi, they might go into like you know this is how this is the history of the Earth and tell like how humans left the Earth and spread through the stars until something happened and blah 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 and then it starts the first chapter with like the main character and like you know whatever they're 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 dealing with or fantasy will do like kind of like what you did where they will start with like the world setting or the yeah. uh, the city that it's in and what makes it unique or particular or just give it give it some context and that can be useful just in the sense of Getting a lot of information out there without breaking the flow of a narrative. If someone knows, like, this is the prologue, it's a little easier to swallow the whole, like, okay, so this is why I'm getting a history lesson, kind of. Opposed yeah. to just, like, smack in the middle of a scene where it's just paragraphs of, of backstory. Yeah, and I think I think that if you write a prologue like that, a world-building prologue, you're giving people license to skip it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it should be skippable, at the very least. Right, which is which is good because a lot of people don't like that kind of stuff, and then you can just say, "Hey, don't don't read this if you don't care. Just right. go go ahead, and this is all skippable. It's not gonna it's not gonna tie into the narrative. I mean, it it is, but it's you're not gonna be punished for not having read this. Right, which is I think should mostly be the case with 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 most kinds of prologues, because the other kind of prologue is the action prologue, where you'll get a scene that usually has nothing to do with the main character usually has nothing to do with the main plot right away as far as you know so in game of thrones what they do is they have this scene with the night's watch people rangers going beyond the wall and encountering the white walkers and this is the first time the white walkers show up in game of thrones and the only time they show up for i believe the entire first book the whites show up later the zombies show up at the near the very end of the first book but the white walkers never do i don't think they show up until the second book maybe the third yeah like it's it's a thing that like kind of teases a glimpse of the wider world and like what what the later part of the story might be about but it's completely disconnected from the plot so if you skip the prologue in game of thrones you miss nothing about the story yeah another one is uh, from aragon the prologue is from the perspective of the main antagonist of the first book and it's kind of like a here's how he captured this elven lady who was carrying the blue dragon's egg uh, sapphire's egg and after it ends again, like it cuts to the main character and he finds the egg in the first chapter, and you're like, okay, well now I know a little bit of how this got here, even though I'm 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 not as in the dark as the main characters about what's going on, but I still know nothing about like the wider plot that this is all part of. Yeah. But again, it, it serves the purpose of of front loading some action so that you don't have two to three chapters of just you know Aragon the hunter, Aragon the farmer who discovers this mysterious egg and doesn't know what to do with it. Yeah. Wheel of Time does that, too. I've, I've not actually finished Wheel of Time. But the first, the opening prologue, I was like, oh, yeah, this is this doesn't make any sense. And it's not going to be relevant for probably this entire book. I got that. I got that impression just from reading mm-hmm. 
as I was reading the opening prologue, I'm like, okay, yes, this is important stuff that's happening, but you, most authors would not start a book like that, like that prologue was, and they wouldn't put it in the prologue if they did. Right, you recognize a action hook when you see one. Yeah. Yeah. The Matrix does it. I think I really like the action prologue of The Matrix. I agree. It works especially well in certain kinds of stories where the mystique of the setting or the the uh, mystery of the setting and you know the fish out of water kind of story makes it more of a not fish out of water so much as something's not right in the world kind of story because it, it sets up the idea that there are answers to this we just don't know what they are yet yeah it kind of it kind of varies i think it's something you have to just not i think it's very easy to drop in an action prologue because you've seen it done before. Right. And I, I like the action prologue just fine. Uh, you know, I, don't, I have no objection to it. I like the exposition prologue okay. Like, you know, I don't I can I can take it or leave it, depending on really on how much I enjoy the narrative voice, I guess, of the writer, like how entertaining I find their writing. Uh, I actually like the um, the one in Glimwood, by the way, because I feel like the writer whose name I forget, the kind of Middle Eastern... Yeah, Mohammed Ashworth. Right. I enjoyed his, his writing style the same way I enjoyed the writing style of uh, books like... Princess Bride and stuff that have a, a unique narrative voice. So I can take or leave those uh, pretty pretty easily and usually enjoy them. But the one I dislike is the action flash-forward prologue that takes a yeah. scene from later in the story, puts it at the beginning of the story so that you can be all like, what's going on here? This is exciting, that kind of thing. And then like six months earlier, a year earlier, whatever it is, start back at the beginning and then tell the story of how it gets there. Um, those I usually hate even after I enjoy the story itself, I'm just like, this is dumb. Yeah. What, you, what about you? I usually don't like them. My wife hates them. Just, like, absolutely hates them. And it, then it's, like, six months earlier or whatever, mm-hmm. right? They always do that. Or they do the fourth wall break where it's like, I, I bet you're wondering what how I got here. Right, it's like right. A, I'm, I'm, I am, but I mean, you don't need to, like, get all postmodern about it. I... I liked the one in Fight Club, but mm-hmm. I think that's the only one. I think that's one of the only times I've ever liked it. You know, Fight Clubs, I actually I completely forgot that Fight Club did that. Fight Clubs was... Oh, and Memento. Yeah, Fight Club, and I think there's a style of movie that is so good at engrossing you in the story that makes it makes you forget... It makes you forget what you already learned in the in the prologue, or at least it does sometimes for me. That never happens to me for books. For books, I always know, I always remember that we're going back to this at some point, and I'm waiting for clues about how we get there and stuff like that. I don't quite know why that is. I've never really examined why that might be the case for, for books over movies, but it, the movies that I think it works the best in, and maybe the books too, but I don't really see it as often in books... Really only in movies, actually. The movies, I think, it works the best in are the ones that are told from the first person. Because then it kind of has that... You're, you're clearly telling a story to an audience. So starting at the present and then telling it from the previous part of the story, like, it doesn't necessarily make sense, right? Because they're, they're still kind of fourth wall breaking. Like, who are they telling the story to while they're tied to a chair and bleeding? Like in um, yeah. Kick-Ass. But it still makes for a more organic storytelling experience of starting in the present, jumping back, and then catching up, opposed to the book where it's just clearly a narrative device, not at all um, organic. Yeah. I mean, it in, I think, prose fiction, at least in the way that people tell stories, I think you see it a lot, because that's usually how you tell a story, is is you start with its conclusion, mm-hmm. right? 
you you hook people in and you say, hey, did I ever tell you the time I became king of Broglia? And they're like, no. And then you you start with something totally unrelated right at the beginning. Mm -hmm. I think it's hard to do that in prose fiction. I think it's hard to do that in movies, too. Yeah. Just because you, you risk ruining things. I think that if you don't have a very traditionally structured type of story, it pe- people will just know that it's coming and they'll get bored of it, which is what always happens to me. I'm always bored. <laughs> I'm just like, when I get thrown in there, I'm just waiting for it to kick back into a different sort of mode, I guess. And I think some of the, my favorite stories are ones that don't ever kick back into that mode. Uh-huh. You need to hook people at the beginning, right? The reason people do an action prologue is to hook people. And I think that's it's sort of a cheaterly way of doing it. I think it's very transparent. But there are a couple other techniques that people use. Like you start the story in the beginning, and sometimes you just go on from there, right? Mm -hmm. You start your story in the beginning, and then you never go back to the actual beginning of it. You just, you, you don't fill it in with flashback. Although I find that less annoying to have like an action prologue and then a flashback to the beginning that catches up right away instead of showing a scene from the very end mm-hmm. or something. Scene, scenes from the very end happen somewhat fairly often too. Yeah. Like you see, it's not, not just like a climax, but the final climax, which is all the more egregious when it happens, I think. Right. Cause I don't know. <laughs> I think it works a lot better if you have a twist. Mm-hmm to bring some new context, but it has to be a good twist. It right. can't just like, oh, we were just like play acting or whatever, which I think, I think uh, bad writers do that a lot. It's like it was just a dream or right. we were in a play together or something. Note that this is, I would, I would say this is different from starting the story after the story has occurred. If the story starts with people who are in the present day and then one of the characters starts telling a story of their childhood or whatever it is, like, that's fine. I'm okay with that. That doesn't really bother me. You know, it, it does it does do some spoiling. There is some, some spoiler aspect to it, obviously, because we know to some to some degree that certain things end in certain ways. But usually it's it's told in the first person regardless when that happens. So it's it, it, it still works out essentially like a normal story does with just a second layer of story on top of it. This is a scene in something like the Green Mile where he's in the old folks home and he's telling a story of when he was in jail. I mean, working at the prison or the King Killer Chronicles. Yeah. There's two storylines going on concurrently, but usually the weight will be on the past one than the, rather than the present one. And the King Killer Chronicles actually does, it does an action scene at the start. Yes, that's true. The, the, the present plot still has a plot. Things are happening right. there. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's kind of weird because you get one beginning and then you get a different beginning that's sort of not entirely divorced from the first one. But mm-hmm. it's kind of it's always kind of weird if you're doing a frame story like that. I think that's a different a different and confusing thing. Yeah, so starting the story in the middle it tends to be good because you're getting into the action right away. Mm-hmm. Action prologues. I don't really like them, but they're good because they get you in the action right away. And usually they associate you with a character right away. I think it it tends to be worse when they don't. Like if you're just shown some totally other random character who's like a badass and it's like 
kicking ass and taking names and then you go to your like simple farm boy in mm-hmm. what's basically chapter two or your first proper chapter one i think that's a very cheap way of doing it because you're just sort of hooking people in and you're, you're dangling the promise that they'll get to see that badass later right Un- unconnected from the this is the main character as a badass. Now learn about the simple farm farmer boy. Roots. Yeah. Yeah. Like I do, I do like the action prologue of the matrix, but they're doing that. Yeah. Right. There's this tantalizing mystery. There's this character who you've never seen before and don't see again until quite a bit later into the movie. Right. You don't see Trinity. Well, you see Trinity fairly quickly, but you don't know who she is or what she did or, or what's going on for quite a bit after that still. Yeah. And I think that's partly, it's dangling the promise of good things to come. Yeah. I, don't, I don't really like that from a moral perspective. So here's a question then. Is it problematic if it works? If it, generally speaking, will help people get into a story that they end up enjoying and that they might not have given the chance if not for that kind of beginning, what's what's wrong with it? Um, I think, well, first of all, I don't think it works very well. Mm-hmm. That's just on a sort of, pragmatic level i think once you know that trick exists it stops working very well i don't know i i just think it's it's like ending every chapter on a cliffhanger like Mm -hmm. yeah you'll keep people reading but they won't be very happy to keep reading right they're a bunch of authorial dark arts yeah you can make people invested without making them enjoy what they're reading Mm -hmm. i think that's especially common in in serial fiction, where people will get invested in a story that they're not actually enjoying that much, and they'll show up. They'll show, I think I see that in a lot of stuff that gets posted on like our rationals. Like people aren't actually enjoying themselves, but they're showing up every week for every new chapter just because they want to see how it ends. And I think there are, there are levers in the brain that you can hit to try and maximize that in people. But it's not really mm-hmm. the same as bringing enjoyment. That's sort of a tangential point, but it's one of those things that makes me feel scummy. Right. It's it's also one of those things that I think, like you said, once you recognize the trick, it it's easier to be disconnected from it. It's for for it, maybe even even if it still works a little bit, it it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Yeah. The ideal world is one where it's not used and. You know, if if the if the way that your story really feels like it has to be written is by doing this, then you know that's okay. Just try it, and hopefully it it's justified by how great the story is, and, and it all works out well. But I would say I would caution against doing it just because you feel like your beginning isn't punchy enough, or isn't um, not punchy in the literal punching sense, but in the vigorous or or engaging enough. If your story's beginning isn't engaging enough fix the beginning like maybe change the beginning completely if you have to but don't yeah. use the action prologue or the the in medias res prologue as a fixer upper and then go back to your boring beginning that's you know that's the problem right why do you have a boring beginning exactly yeah if you've got an in medias res beginning and that's just how your story starts great but don't go from that to farm boy on a farm uh, unless yeah. you've got a a engaging farm boy on a farm story yeah and so how do you do a good beginning. How do you do a, like, let's ignore any tricks of chronology or switching to a viewpoint you're not going to use again or something like that. How do you do mm-hmm. a beginning that is going to be engaging all on its own without needing to 
like backtrack later or use any of the um, tricks. So I would submit that for me at least, I don't know, I don't know how good other authors are, but for me at least, I've never written a good beginning on my first try. Every story that I've ever really written out, and there's like, I would say now there's like four that I've really gotten pretty far in. Two completed books, my Pokemon story that's hundreds of thousands of words long now, and so on. Like, not counting all my other stories that I never really continued with, like of my of my actual written stories. I've never I've never been satisfied with the first chapter, the first time I wrote it. No, I don't just mean like the writing. You know, obviously that gets better as you do iterated editing. I mean like you write the first chapter and then I write farther into the story, then I go back to the first chapter, I'm like, yeah, this isn't actually all that great. I did a kind of revamp of Pokemon's chapter, the first half of it at least, like the beginning scene. I did a revamp of the first chapter of the book that I've talked about a few times, the modern supernatural horror story that I wrote. The calling and made it in general like uh, much more engaging the second time around and i think i rewrote the the fantasy story that i co-wrote with a with a friend of mine we've re- rewritten the entire story like three times and each time the beginning chapter is completely different so writing a good beginning chapter is hard and i don't think it needs to be perfect the first time around you know obviously if you're writing traditional publishing if you're writing a serial story trying to get it as good as possible the first time is is important and what i've noticed about the later chapter versions of the of the first chapter was that they tend to be more complete as stories in themselves you've got to intro- you introduce a character you introduce a desire you introduce a conflict and the conflict doesn't necessarily have to be resolved by the first chapter because, you know, it's a good hook to, to be like, this is how the story starts. But you you show that the, the character is engaged in in the conflict. They know what it is and, the, and they know that they have to do something to head it off or, or address it somehow. First chapters tend to be really bad if they just kind of meander. They're just kind of like, this is how the story starts. Like, if you don't get to the conflict till the very end... It's not as good if you don't get to any sense of like what your character is going to be doing about it. It tends to be a little harder to keep people's interest, I think. Yeah. I think the mistake a lot of people make in beginnings is that they start way, way back. I thought that's about Mother of Learning. People might dis- disagree with me here, but Mother of Learning's first chapter, it's, I mean, it's a time loop story, so a lot of this stuff in the first chapter is just set up for later. Mm-hmm. But I found that just a struggle to get through because it was it was so much stuff that was not about character and not about the conflict or even about the central premise right it's just stuff that's going to be called back to later slice of life yeah right it's very slice of life it's like this is a day in the life of the main character yeah and it's not it's kind of that story to some extent mm-hmm. but that's not i think why people come back to it why why it's popular mhm and I, I thought that just started that started so far back from the interesting stuff, the stuff that would actually compel me to keep reading. Right. And and people do that a lot. They feel like they need to. The the premise is that like someone gets shunted through a portal to another world, right? Mm-hmm. But then they want to give us a ten twenty page chapter about the life of this person prior to that. Right. And that for me usually just you know if I pick up a book. I usually, if I am not going in completely blind, I read the premise on the back, and I want to get to that premise as soon as possible, right? Mm-hmm. So I think for beginnings, you, you want to start as close to your primary conflict as you can. One of the things that I've often heard, 
and I think it's true to some extent, it depends on your writing style, but very often you can just lop off your first chapter and have your second chapter be your first chapter. Right. By the second chapter, you're actually talking about the plot and the characters and stuff. Right. This is actually exactly what I did for The Calling. My first chapter when I first wrote it was essentially two of the six main characters. It was one of those, it's one of those stories that you jump between six different character perspectives every chapter. Not every chapter six, but I mean like every chapter is a different perspective. Mm-hmm. The first chapter was just essentially introducing these two characters and they're, they're basically just having a conversation in a bar and like having dinner and talking about their, their life and like catching up and like rereading it, I'm just like, this is just the stupidest way to start a story. Like it doesn't until the very end of the chapter that something happens and they have to like respond to that. And then that's how the chapter ends, like with them rushing out the door. The problem wasn't that it was badly written or that you can't start a story with two dudes in a bar talking necessarily. Like it feel like it did a good job of letting you get to know these characters and their relationship to each other. It's an okay way to start a story, but it's not okay to take up the entire first chapter with it. And I essentially cut the conversation down to a few paragraphs and cut it like cut the rest of the second chapter into that chapter. The events of the second chapter into that chapter. Yeah. I I, I kind of feel that about Metropolitan Man. I feel like you could you could cut the entire first chapter off and and just start on the second chapter. Mm-hmm. And you would lose very little. It's, again, this is one of those things I feel like, I don't think many writers get this right on their first time. Yeah. Because, like most of writing, like the first draft is usually, relatively speaking, shit. Yeah. And that's okay. Like, that's, that's okay, because it's not, your writing skill is not judged by the first draft. The first draft is should be better the better your writing is, but it's it's not the final draft. And when you look at the story over iterations and you've written the story out and you look back at the beginning, it's very common to have a different idea of both how to write the first chapter and what the first chapter should be about. Yeah. When I rewrote HPMR's first four chapters, I did I did the I made I made the decision to make sure to include more context because it starts with a, a conversation about um magic and that's and petunia trying to convince harry and and her husband that it's real and i was just like you know this kind of okay it works for people who know what harry potter is about and are jumping into it as a fan fiction that they know what all the points of departure are but for people who who maybe like you know they only read harry potter once years ago and they weren't necessarily like super engaged in the world and, and that kind of thing like let's let's give it more more context and give it more setting and, and let the characters develop on the page a little better but Eliezer didn't write it with the perspective of like how do I how do I write a first chapter that's going to become a published book first chapter he just wanted to get through you know this premise and then get into the story that he had in mind and like most writers it's better to write the first chapter and not have it be perfect and keep going with the story like don't slave over the first chapter don't labor over the first chapter for months and months trying to get it perfect and then continue the story just get your first chapter out there start the story write the story out as far as you can as best as you can and worry about iterations later yeah would be what i would say on that but you can't do that with serial fiction where (laughs) that first chapter is set in stone uh which is one of the things i dislike about serial fiction because you're just, right. just stuck there. And you're like, okay, I really wish that first chapter was different. Or I understand this character now, mm-hmm. but that was, you know, that was like 10 chapters ago. It has to get the, the particulars more or less the same. Yeah. 
Yeah, you you can't you can't suddenly decide and go back and kill off the mother of the main character if they if they're a prominent character from the beginning. Like that's that that is set in stone. But you know, I think most I think most readers of even serial fiction would be happy to know that the author is like you know I looked back on this a year or two later and was like this is this can be um, updated and be better written and and change it change it up. I don't think there would be too much of an outcry, especially since on the internet you can always have versions of the original out there somewhere. Yeah, like in an archive or something. Yeah. I think that if possible, you strike the first chapter at last. Especially because I like mirroring in my mm-hmm. stories. I like my endings to be similar to my beginnings mm-hmm. just for, for the sake of symmetry and sort of closing the loop. Right. Uh, I, don't, partic- mm-hmm. I don't think I ever followed that advice of, <laughs> of writing the first chapter last. But I, I'll have to try it sometime. You have to try it sometime for a non-serial story, particularly. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's there's a lot of good that comes from uh, from um, symmetry in the first and last chapters, especially if there's a ending chapter that's that's uh, kind of a what's the word denouement? Yeah. Is that the word? Yeah, a denouement, denouement from the climax. Some great ones include Lord of the Rings. I think had one where it was it was very much like a back to the Shire. And how everyone's kind of getting on? Where are they now? Sort of, sort of story. Yeah, Harry Potter did a uh, kind of not very good one. The same like sending the kids off. To yes. Thing. Yeah. I mean that 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 epilogue was problematic for for other reasons. If 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 it had been better written, <laughs> yeah, it would have been a nice way to close out everything by sort of bringing it back to the start. Yeah. But we can talk more about that in in endings. The yeah. endings episode. Yeah. So, there, are there any stories with beginnings you particularly enjoy? Hmm. It's hard for me because I so rarely actually remember beginnings. I remember beginnings fairly well, but they very rarely, ideally speaking, the beginning chapter should not be the best part of the story, right? Yeah. Uh, you don't want to be like, you don't want to start at a high note and then it's all just downhill from there. So, for me, the best beginnings would have to be for stories that. I think just did the best job technically of engaging my interest and, and being representative of the rest of the story's amazingness. And, you know, I'd have to say that this this is actually easier to answer from a perspective of less serious books off the top of my head. Like, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy had a great first chapter. It was just like, immediately, Arthur Dent is trying to stop a bulldozer from, from bulldozing his house and he's lying lying in front of it and he just refuses to move because like the worst thing they can do is run him over and his life just isn't that great anyway. Like if they're gonna bulldoze his house anyway, he's he's totally fine with just with just lying in front of the bulldozer and stopping it. You get a great sense of like the the writing style and the humor of the of the of the story and the kind of absurdist feel of the story right off the bat. And then Planet gets destroyed. He's sucked up into a alien uh, ship in the meantime because turns out that the planet was scheduled for demolition that day as well, not just his house, which is kind of an ironic echoing. So it was it was a really well constructed first chapter. I enjoyed yeah. that a lot. But it's one of those things where it's also a really well constructed book. So yeah. like... <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't like the the later books in the Hitchhiker series quite that much. Yeah. The first the first book was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. For one that I thought had a good beginning and wasn't necessarily a great book on its own seven eaves by uh neil stephenson i really like the beginning to that because it's um sort of my 
preferred sort of science fiction, the opening line is the moon blew up without warning and for no apparent reason. Mm -hmm. And then you just immediately start going into the consequences, the consequences. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, if you're going to start with a single big idea and then you can just throw it out there in the opening line. I really, I really like that. And I really like just, just getting sucked in to the book right away from the first chapter. I don't think that it, was a great book on its own. I think Neil, we'll talk about Neil Stephenson some in endings. Um, he's not. He's a, like Stephen King in that, in that regard. Yeah. He's like Stephen King in that regard, which is, I think that this tells you something about how important beginnings are. Right. Because there are a lot of very famous, very successful authors who are widely acknowledged to be terrible at endings. Yeah. At endings. Yeah. But the beginnings are and beginnings and are enough to hook people in the middle are very memorable. Yeah. Stephen King like all of Stephen King's best books, I feel like have good endings, but a lot of his most popular and entertaining books don't. Yeah. So it's 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 the difference between writing a good book and writing an entertaining book are, are you know, it's it's subjective, but it's still it's still a distinction, I think. Yeah. There's another thing about beginnings, you mentioned that the author has a really good premise. And it does a great job of hooking you in the story, but then it becomes clear that the author doesn't know what to do with the premise, or the premise just isn't executed the way you thought it would be. Yeah. There's some anime like this where like the premise is really promising and potentially cool, but then you're just like, oh, never mind. This is this is terrible. Oh, uh, what was what is the name? It's uh, one of the death MMOs. Sword, Sword, Art, Sword Art Online. Online. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought that like first episode, I was like, yes. This is exactly what I wanted. <laughs> I wanted a bunch of people stuck in a virtual reality, and now there's going to be all, like all the social dynamics, economics. <laughs> it's like, nope. No, we're doing very shallow character drama about someone who's not very interesting. Oh man, Portal is another one I've heard a lot about that people were just complaining because like the idea is great, like fantasy Portal opens into modern day Japan and like show off between like old fashioned armies and modern technology and things, and that's like great. But then it turned apparently it's like a harem anime or it's really with really dumb characters or something. I didn't, I never saw it, but that's just what I heard. Yeah, if <laughs> there's one one thing that we should probably say about beginnings is that if you have a really good premise you should do your best to show that off as quickly as possible. <laughs> yeah. If you want to hook the reader and you don't, you're not, you're not quite as confident on your execution, get the premise in there early. Yeah. That's a little bit dark arts, yeah. but I mean, if you have a good premise, if people are coming to your story for its premise, get to that premise as, as soon as possible. Right. Or just put it in the title. Uh, ring world does that. Take, mm-hmm. takes quite, quite a while for anyone to get to a ring world, but ring world's in the title and there's a giant picture of a ring world on the covers so stephen king's uh the stand which is one of my favorite books by him despite some flaws that i I now looking back see in it has an amazing first third of the book which is basically just uh describing the slow death of mankind 99.6 percent of the population dies off from the super plague and the original first chapter of the book because there was a, a original the stand that was like 800 something pages and then eventually they released the un, unabridged version which was apparently the first one that the first version of it that he wanted to publish uh, which is like something like 1200 pages long and the first chapter originally was showing this guy madly escaping a military base of some kind that's shutting down that, that that's like locking down just rushing to his home on the base getting his wife and kids and just getting the hell out of Dodge, like, at the very last second, like, barely escaping. And 
the next chapter is the chapter that that starts in the abridged version the the shorter version which is essentially just some guys hanging out in a gas station just shooting the shit middle of america nothing really exciting happening and then they see a car coming down the road and it crashes straight into the the pumps right like one person quick enough to like flick them off before they crash into them and just like goes careening and they go over to the car and, and open it and this dead bodies in it from the plague and the driver is just barely alive and uh that's how the story starts and like from there on you know the town gets quarantined and then it just spreads and spreads but the difference between the opening where you know nothing about anything that's happening all you know is that this mysterious car showed up and spread the plague from there and the oh they come from a military base oh this guy was one of the people who worked there and and got out at the last minute and spread the plague throughout the US and and the world and everything like it's a very stark difference of the different kind of tone that you want to set with your story and i think both kind of work like one of them is a more relaxed opening but it's also more of a like mystery you don't know as much about what's happening and it's it's more of like you know, the hook is more of the what's with this car with his dead people in it you know why how did this guy go driving being the sick as sick as he is with his wife and kid passed away in the back seat and, and not realize it whereas the other one is more of the like very common in in horror movies or horror books it starts with a monster attack or whatever it is stranger things has a very similar opening with a guy trying to escape the facility as the monster chases him yeah I think tone is always, for me, one of the hardest things to hit. And I think setting your tone at the beginning is very difficult. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons that beginnings are important is because not only do you... It are, is the beginning where you hook people in, it's where you tell people what kind of story that you're telling. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you do that literally. That I see that quite a bit. I like a series of unfortunate events, but it definitely does the like, tongue-in-cheek version of that a little much for my taste. But you are trying to communicate to the reader what kind of story it's going to be. And so there are some readers that you're going to turn off as soon as you tell them what kind of story it is. Right. Um, that That's the reason, that's the other reason for a lot of the first chapter bounce bounce rate being so high is that people will be like, well, I really don't want to read the story that you're about to tell me. Mm-hmm. That makes it very, very difficult if you're trying to do subversions. Y- yes. There was this magical girl anime that was doing a subversion of magical girl animes, Right. And the old, I did not know that going in. And I thought it was just like... Very standard. Yeah, for like three episodes. And I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll stick with this because mm-hmm. the artwork is pretty good. And then it like sort of goes off the rails in this totally weird direction. And apparently it's really famous for that. Mm-hmm. But that's one of those things that it's like, how do you, in your opening, prepare for that? There's, that's an inherent danger, absolutely. Gurren Lagann is another anime like that that I, I was watching the first few episodes and just like, this is... I don't understand why everyone loves this anime. This is just boilerplate, very straightforward, you know, stereotypical anime. I called my stepmother who recommended it up to me and I was just like, what, you know, I don't I don't think I'm going to watch it anymore, man. Like, I get it. It's cool and all, but like, I don't... It's not doing it for me. And he's like, what episode are you on? I told him, he's like, okay, watch one more episode. And then I watched one more episode and it was it was the Wham! episode. And I was like, oh, okay. And like, it's, you know, that's, that's a legitimate danger. I think any storytelling medium is going to have if it relies on a twist or a subversion or... Even a story that's like, I mean, so my Pokemon story starts fairly lighthearted, kid going off on, on an adventure, but I, I knew from the beginning I didn't want it to look like every other Pokemon story starts like that. Not that every other story starts like that, I've, I've read the vast majority of Pokemon fanfiction, but like usually the gritty ones, 
they start gritty. Like they, they mention like kids dying like right off the bat. And the non-gritty ones, you know, they, they're, they're lighthearted from the get-go. From the ones I've seen anyway. And I didn't want to do either. So what I, I did was I specifically put in a exchange between Red and his mom that was out of place for a lighthearted story. Not just the memory of, of Red's dad having died violently, but showing the real concern that the mom had for Red's safety that he, now that he was leaving. And because I knew that the first few chapters would be fairly lighthearted adventure stuff, but that I would be getting to more serious stuff later. And even that's not necessarily enough to prepare people. Like, I've had people respond in the, after the first, reading the first few chapters, like, you know, this is just too, you know, why are kids allowed to go out on adventures? This is too stereotypical, like, lighthearted uh, Pokemon stuff. And I've had other people who read, apparently, up to the Viridian Forest arc and then stopped reading and, and responded that this has gotten way too dark and gritty and, you know, it's not, not what was promised in the, from the beginning of the story. So it, it, I don't know if there is a, a good answer to how to, how to prepare people for that twist maybe there isn't maybe it's just a matter of like you're telling a certain kind of story not everyone's going to like that certain kind of story and that's okay but implying that as soon as you can in the story isn't necessarily going to be possible all the time yeah um we will talk about that some probably in our endings episode Mm -hmm. because people respond i think i mean people have a response to beginnings but they respond to endings a lot more People will focus on on endings rather than be, people will not generally say, oh, the like the first, you know, the first chapter was was brilliant. Um, generally, right. there, there's some, some exceptions to that, but um, people will talk about the endings to things a lot more than they'll talk about the beginnings. A lot more qualifiers for endings, like yeah, people people, people are much more willing to like recommend a story, but for the ending warn people about the endings whereas the beginning usually just starts with if anything if anyone mentions the beginning it's usually like you know the bo- the beginning maybe starts a little slow or something like that but get through it yeah people will actually say that about entire books <laughs> like yes like wheel of time they're like oh like just read till book six i'm like mm, <laughs> no i am not gonna read six books in before it like gets good so see, yeah, that's that's the thing that I think different people have different tolerances for too. Like I might actually enjoy Wheel of Time. I don't know. I've never I've never read any of it, but I might be able to get through six books to get to the good part. I don't actually know. I'll, I'll have to see. But like Dresden Files, I will recommend to people and say if you enjoy the first two books, great. But they're not they're not the be- like treat the first two books like the first chapter, which obviously does not go over well for people who are like no, like I'm not reading yeah. an entire book that apparently doesn't matter. And it's, it's not that they don't matter; it's just that the series is not about the first two books, and that is a, a problem with the series, absolutely. But it's 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 hard to convey that exactly, like without without kind of like some massive spoilers. Yeah. Yeah, I that reminds me. I need to uh, continue on with the Dresden Files. What book do you I have? have? The first two. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I have read like uh, one or two chapters in the book too. I, I had started it and then uh, we had a kid. Yeah, yeah. And then I was like, oh, I've got other stuff to do. <laughs> I like book one. I liked I like book two. I just uh, yeah, they were perfectly serviceable fantasy modern fantasy books. It's just that yeah. compared to the the later books, they're, they're nothing. They're nothing. Yeah. They are they are window dressing. Yeah. So uh, thanks for listening. Um, anything else you want to say on this one? Uh, nope. Okay. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned after the outro music for another book recommendation, and hope you join us for next episode on endings.
Hey everyone, this week I'm recommending The Laughing Corpse by Laurel K. Hamilton. It's the second book in the Anita Blake series, and I'm recommending it because even with all the vampires and werewolves and zombies running around, it's a crime novel, and you can't talk about beginnings without mentioning crime novels. Whether it's the classic writers like Arthur Conan Doyle, the contemporary masters like Grisham and Connolly, or even the supernatural genres like The Judson Files or Anita Blake, most crime stories have a formulaic beginning. The first chapter is almost always the main character at a crime scene, or if they're private detective, sometimes meeting a client with hidden motives. This has become a formula because it works. It immediately starts the plot and conflict of the story right away, and gives the author the opportunity to show, rather than tell, the character's skills and attitude toward their work. In the case of the crime scene, it also gives the readers a hook, either an extra grisly murder scene to raise the stakes, an unusual or improbable killing to raise intrigue, or both. Or, in the case of the client meeting, it gives the readers a chance to feel, along with the main character, whatever unease or suspicion they might have about the client. A lot of books have both kinds of openings as their first two chapters, and The Laughing Corpse is one of them. It's also just a great book on its own, and the Needle Blake book that really hooked me into the series. It gets weird later on, but I enjoyed the first dozen or so books quite a bit, and they have many great qualities. If you want to try listening to The Laughing Corpse on your next ride to work, or while you're getting some exercise, or doing daily quests in a game, Audible has a free 30-day trial that gives you one book credit, which you keep even if you cancel the trial right away. If you go to www.audibletrial.com rational, you can even support the show while you do it. Thanks for listening.